Okay, hello. there we go. Weird, 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 weird. All right, hello everyone. Hey. Welcome to Monday. We made it. Another happy week in America. Um, <laughs> here we are. Everything's fine. At the office is a Breitbart, maybe, but everybody's fine. Everything's fine. We're gonna get right into the show today. All right. We're all alive. We got lots to tough to talk about. Is we'll there anyone right alive it. out there? We'll get right into it. All right, so let's That's do a it. That's Springsteen song, but I don't want to go there. Fine. That's why I said. Hello, Hockey World. It's Monday, November 14th, 2016. I'm Michael Lagello. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Eklund, and that's the way it is. (laughs) You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. This is the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday at this time to fill you in on the comings and goings in the hockey world. And we are back after another fun-filled weekend of hockey to come to you now and discuss some things happening. But we have to start off with some business, hockey business, um, because we're now talking Olympics. And the the moment is at hand. (laughs) The IOC has sent... Um, what's his name again? Uh, Antonio Samarich? No. no, Renee. Renee Fassell. Renee Fassell. Dinner once. When I went to Kevin, Kevin Allen and I had dinner with Renee Fassell. Very nice guy. Uh, and Renee is here and he is on his, you know, on his way on Wednesday. Well, at least he's going to be, he's going to, he might be here, not here yet, but he, Wednesday he will be, I'm sure he's here. He's, he's, he doesn't live in Canada. Anyway. All right. He's, he's close enough. He's <laughs> going to be here plan. on Wednesday. Like the IOC is everywhere. We don't know. Right, the IOC is everywhere. They're they're like an all-knowing. Wherever there are prostitutes, the IOC is there. Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> just kidding. anyway, just ignore that. Um, <laughs> there's no mute button. Um, all right, there's no mute button that can fix things like that. Anyway, um, all right. So he's in town Wednesday. He's going to meet with Bill Daly, who's you know the official NHL badass when it comes to negotiations, and they are going to sit down and discuss this thing and figure out. What the hell to do about the Olympics in South Korea coming up next year? So basically, fourteen months from now, this is really tight. I mean, this it is, is tight. That's not a lot of lead time anymore. No, it's not. Now, now to be fair, people are saying, "Well, how will they come up with another team?" They, it's not hard to do. The, no. NA, the USA Hockey pro, Program has its own program going as it is. All the you know the World Juniors, which you'll be attending, Russ. That's yes. It's basically this will become an out branch of that to a degree. Yeah. Maybe a twenty and under, twenty and under tournament for yeah. for those countries. Right. So it's not like this is impossible, but there is. Look, I will say this: there are a lot of good hockey players still not under NHL contract. Right. Right. That's true. It's going to be a cross between an under twenty tournament and something like the Spangler Cup, where right. you know, we have independent professional players. Now, the interesting thing will be. If the KHL decides they'll let their players go, and if Alex Ovechkin decides, you know, if the NHL doesn't decide to go, and and Alex Ovechkin uh, continues on with his threat to go no matter what, it, yeah. that might be the only way the Russians ever win an Olympic gold is to have him play against a bunch of young kids. I don't think Ovechkin would go. I just think that's talk. But I also think that you might see some players, like you know, U.S. players, come out of retirement and play. I mean, if they're not currently – I mean, here's the thing. Here's, here's an interesting thing that would come up. I, I thought about this because I've always been 95%. It's not happening. Let's say you're an older player and you're in your UFA season and it's an right. Olympic year. You right. might wait. You might just play in the Olympics 
in the Olymp and then just sign after the Olympics, after they see you could still play. Which we saw the World Cup of Hockey did good things yeah. for players. Um, I, I agree with that. You know, there was a lot of good that came of it. Um, so, you think, so you think Colin Greening will go and play for Team USA? Yeah, I mean, you'll you'll see some players like that that say, hey, you know, agents might say, oh, hold this, hold this for a minute. You yeah. could be on a world stage here. Don't sign in, you know, in the offseason. Just pr practice, get ready, work out with your buddies, and play in the Olympics. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I mean, it make it makes plenty of sense, I think. And I mean, you know, it's really interesting. I just watched the um <laughs> there's a great documentary. I'm sure a lot of you in Canada saw the Rem on Remembrance Day that was playing up on Sportsnet in Canada. Um and it was a because I have, you know, Canadian television here in the United States, yeah. don't ask how. Um but anyway, I was watching it and um there was a, there's a really great story of during the war of right after the war of that of that group of Canadians that that they, the Canadians that they put together that wasn't a professional group because they couldn't go professionals um, right. and they were all like war buddies and they they put they were this team that got it was basically the miracle on ice for Canada um, they they put together this team of like of just guys from who were playing in men's leagues essentially one was the third string like third string practice goalie for the Maple Leafs they were all all and they went over and they were getting their ass kicked but then they went over and they actually won. The Olympics. So sort of like the Mystery Alaska team that beat the Rangers. Very much like that. Yeah. And it happened in the 40s in Canada um, when they won the gold medal. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, it was, it was, it was crazy. But, you know, this is, it was, it was the whole professional versus non-professional right, Olympic right. thing. And cool. um, when hockey was introduced in the Olympics the first time. So basically Canada put it together within a month. Like it was, it was, everybody thought the pros, pros were going to be able to go and then they couldn't and Canada had to put it together quickly. It's well, kind of we're not looking at a month here, but let me throw out another thing because I talked to a lot of people this morning about this to try to get to the bottom of this, um, and um, and Sportsnet came out with that story, <laughs> which was kind of frustrating because I was on the same path, but um, but what I heard was a little bit different than what they heard. I mean, I did hear if he's coming on Wednesday, obviously, but I also don't think that this is an all or nothing game that's being played right now, and I think that that's what the sort of being portrayed. Like in the past, they've given ten million dollars for insurance and travel, right? I don't think that it's not and they're and now they're right now the NHL says they're offering nothing, right? No money. Okay. Right. <laughs> There's like a big difference between that. I mean, and it's it's odd for Renee, who was a very really, you know, important person and also very um, you know, busy, to come to to come to New York offering nothing. Like I'm gonna show up in New York and I have nothing to offer. All right, I'm going it's like I believe that we're looking at a negotiation that's going to happen happen. Well here. sure, there's definitely gonna be a negotiation, but right now the NHL is literally holding all the cards. Because that's where I uh, that you might think that, but you also might think that, you know, the Democrats were gonna win the president. I mean there's presidents. There's well, certain things this is that, different. This is different. At first glance, it looks like the NHL's holding all the cards. But honestly, it wasn't fixed. No, just kidding. The Olympics go on with or without the NHL. Right. They will have they will have the the ratings will be better with the NHL players, but not a, not enough that would matter to them. This actually why they're coming in with nothing, I believe, is they think the any this is more important to the NHL than it is to them. Well, they're wrong, and I think and see, I think that yeah, I don't think that all that like I know that Bill Daly and and Gary Bettman are at a uh, sports conference in Toronto today, and they've been talking a little bit about. You know, mm -hmm. the Olympics and a little bit about the World Cup. I mean, Bet Bettman was effusive in his praise of the World Cup. It was the best, best on best uh, tournament ever. 
I mean, yeah, but, that could be a line of BS to No, it's not. I mean, it was the best best on well, best tournament ever, but that's not well, that's not the point of the Olympics. What I'm saying is they're trying to force the IOC into concessions, into, you know, uh -huh. more access, into like right. for insurance, all right. these things. And the IOC is not going to do that unless they unless you know the NHL has some leverage. And right now, I I, I don't think there's enough leverage there. And I think if the NHL doesn't get concessions from them, they're going to say, okay, we'll have fun with the the Spangler Cup in 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 South Korea. I, I think that's the road it's going. Right, down. but then you're making my point because if the NHL doesn't have the le the leverage. Then, then the control is not theirs. I mean, this, the control is. No, 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 listen. It's at the end of the day, the NHL has to agree to send players. So right. they have all the cards. They have the players. They have the players, yes. And that's everything. Because all right, here's the potential thing. I'm trying to find out who. Um, it looks like BBC has the rights, but I don't know who has the U.S. rights. I'm assuming it's still NBC. Yeah. It's NBC. It is NBC. Okay. Which is so, a big part of this. So let's well, let's picture this now. So let's say NBC decides they're going to kick in their schedule like they normally do. Right. Just before the Olympics, and they start up their Saturday game. Well, now NBC will own hockey anyhow because for the Olympic hockey watchers, they'll have Olympic hockey on MSNBC, and then they'll have the NHL on main NBC. So NBC doesn't lose anything here. So NBC is not a big player in this in the sense that they have nothing to lose. They own everything. And the difference in ratings between the Olympics. They don't want to compete with themselves, though, Russ. I mean, well, they don't want to compete. Why not? With you, would, oh, you would have a, a, a. You don't want to compete with your. Like, the reason they don't want it, they, they very much. If this was. Well, they won't be playing at the same time. Well, no, the, if the NHL doesn't go, then yeah, the NHL will be playing at the same time the Olympics are. No, 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 no. There's a time difference. You won't be having no, a one o'clock no, game. No, but that, that's all the more so because the, the the time in the middle of the day is not the big. I mean, the big thing for the for NBC is the prime time. That's when it matters, right? So it's not right. But what the ratings, okay. the ratings, they're going to be competing directly with their own Olympics with I, NHL hockey. I heard some thought to the, to the fact that NBC would be a would be an interested party in the sense that they would pay like some things that the IOC might not be willing to pay. But the problem with that is the difference in the ratings between what the NHL players at the Olympics, the ratings that they would get, and the difference if NHL players don't go is not going to be worth the millions of dollars that, mm. that they would have to pay out in insurance and whatever else they're looking for. It's not about ratings with this. It's not it, this. And when it comes to the NHL, okay. Now remember that you got to put the NHL and NBC there. They have, they're, they're basically on the same side. Okay. So the NHL and the NBC, NBC are basically on the same side. They are because NBC has this huge long contract with the NHL. So they're really, they're trying the to grow NHL, the game. More we're than, also talking about players and the Players Association, and Donald Feer. Right. That is the other party that is not necessarily on the same side as the other two. Well, that the players always want to go to the Olympics, right? That's the bottom line. That, the players they decide, do you think the players are going to vote? Let's just say Rene Fassel were to walk in and give him the same right. offer, and the NHL says we should take this offer. Do you think the players would take it? I say yeah. they wouldn't. If the same offer of what? Of Ten nothing. Of, of what they've done in the past? $10 million? No, what, they, what they have on the table right now. Like, as of today, it's the nothing. offer of nothing. The other nothing. No, 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 okay. no. So, no, that's so not there good. is a limit to what the players will take, whether they want to go or not. Right, but I think NBC. I think Mike might be onto something with NBC stepping up and putting some of that money in there. And yeah. I think okay. So say the say the IOC comes in and says, "Listen, you know, we don't have all that much. Maybe the last couple of Olympics, people have been losing money. We've been trying our best to, to keep this thing going, best we can, but we don't have all that kind of. You know, we can we can pay for the 
travel, but not the insurance. We can pay for the insurance, but not the travel. All right. So now you're looking at the insurance is way more expensive than the travel. So, so say we've got 8 million in insurance and 2 million in travel, or I mean, I don't even think, I think it's like more like a million in travel and 9 million for insurance when it all comes down to it, if, if it's even a million, right? So say, say that's what it is. So you have that. And now the, now the, um, now suddenly, okay, we'll pay for the travel. You're not the insurance. The insurance is just a matter of renegotiation for the NHL to go to their insurers and say, okay, we, we need you guys to pick up the Olympics next year. Tuma, how much more is that going to be? So it's not a matter of them buying a new insurance policy. They just have to like, they have to amend theirs right. and the ones they currently have. That's not going to be as expensive as it would be for the International Olympic Committee to reinsure these guys from, from scratch from day one. Mm -hmm. So, but, the, but you have to ask yourself, the real thing, the question I'm asking is, is do the, does the NHL want to go? Does the NHL want to do this, right? That's like, that's, I think, because I don't, I think financially, I don't think it's this is about the money because I think that the money will, I think the IOC will come with something. And the NHL and NBC will be able to make up the difference if they want to go. Well, it is about the money because, again, John Tavares got hurt last time and it cost his team a lot. That's not the money. That's, that's, that's not about the money. All, but it does, you have to that's basically. It's about the impact long term, right? Well, no, no, but you, you basically have to tell a team we're making X amount and this is why it's worth the risk. Otherwise, the right. team may not want to risk having their player be there. And then that's where the players fight it again. Well, see, that's where I do I do agree, but the players aren't going to be the ones fighting it. That's going to be yeah. The players are always going to want to go. So that's yes. the funny thing is the player the players in 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 whole either want to go or want the two weeks vacation. So that's that's why they're motivated. But again, it's it's whether this is beneficial for the sport. You're talking about games at weird at weird times. You're yeah. talking about traveling halfway across the world you're talking about the risk of of the best players to injury and i, and I you know it's it's not like yes. sochi it's not like vancouver this is different and and then we know that in four years they're probably going to go in china so i don't know whether everything all all the uh everything lines up in terms of the the nhl going to south korea i i right now i think it's less than 50 50 that they go oh i think it's a lot less i think here's the other thing and look, nothing's impossible because these are negotiations. We know that. But it, me as a hockey fan, is, if, I, if I have a choice to watch the NHL on NBC or watch a luge, I'm going to watch the NHL on NBC, right? But if I don't have a choice, am I just watching luging because I'm a hockey fan? I don't know about that. Probably not. I mean, unless I'm home. So I don't think the crossover matters to NBC. I think even if the even if they walk away from this negotiations, like let's just say the NHL says it's not happening, NBC really doesn't lose anything. They well, really. Well, you're right. And, and we, chances we are, though, what'll happen is the NHL won't be on NBC Sportsnet during that period of time because they NBC uses all those networks for. I the, don't know about that. I covering the Olympics. They, they have they have a contractual agreement with Correct. the NHL. They'll right, but they, so they're but they're gonna. So the problem is, I mean, they're going to have to that. So that really, that's another reason why NBC ponies up the money here because the M NBC does not want to take the, I mean, they they're putting things on USA or putting things on, you know, the uh, Home Cooking Network or the other networks that they that's that they what own. That's they're going to do anyhow. Which they usually do, but that's but for the but NBC Sports Network, this whole one of the the reason they have the Olympics is to promote NBC Sports Network. Uh huh. Right. They want they people to go to that still station. would be able to do that. They want people to go to that station and see the Olympics. If people go to that station and see the NHL, they're not going to be happy. And because because most uh, will be happy, we'll be fine. But most of the people, they, they, the NBC Sports Network covering the having the Olympics on for those 
three weeks or whatever is vitally important I, to NBC. I mean, there was other programming on CNBC, MSNBC while the Olympics was going on. So not at night. No, at night. At night. No, no. I mean, they were. That was no. I don't remember that ever being the case. Yeah, I mean, no, at night there definitely were some at night. I was watching. Yeah, they no. They act. They no, wanted, I was watching tennis on USA as an example. They wanted to drive tra like at night. They wanted to drive traffic to the main network. The you know the the Olympics would be on NBC, but you could very easily put hockey on the MS or NBC SN or one of the lower channels. Yeah, yeah. but they want to. They don't want to do that. They want to drive people. To the to, to to the sports network and the main network. I mean, those yeah, are. Just, I think here's the only flawed part of that. Act. Just as an example, while I wasn't watching much of the Olympics, I watched every bit of the tennis coverage on USA. I did. Right. And so that would, but that's the same thing as this. All they would say is, if you like hockey, go to NBCSN. If you don't, then stay with us. It's the same thing. I rarely turned on the main channel for anything, but I was watching hockey, enough yeah. tennis on yeah. USA. And you're right, and but I mean, and to, to your point, I mean, I didn't watch anything on any network. Like I watched everything streamed from my phone to the television, whatever when I wanted to watch it. So right. there, that exists, right? That's but th we're not everybody, as we've learned recently. No, no, no. That, that's true. there's a lot of other people in the country yes. who are who still don't do things quite the same way. So where where you know it matters that it's on NBC, it matters that it's on NBCSN, which is. NBCSN, remember, the whole thing is to is the reason they. I'm I'm convinced the reason they got the Olympics was to make NBCSN as big as ESPN. That's been their goal the whole time, right? They're trying. They're competing with ESPN. It's a tough thing to do, but they're they're making inroads on it. I mean, right. But here's the other thing that we're not talking about. I only scratched the surface on it. Now this is the next layer. So you're a team that may or may not want to send your best players, but now we're only 14 months out to book my arena for different concerts or whatever while the NHL is not there, that's not giving them a lot of time to do that either. Well, I, I remember this was back at the beginning of the season that uh, someone saying that this was abnormally close to make yeah. a decision, that this decision should, should have probably been made over the summer and that they've moved this forward sort of to hold a knife to the throat of the IOC to force them to give them consent, or to hold a knife to throw at the NHL. You see, I, I think you guys are looking at it from the wrong angle. From what people I talked to today, I think the NHL's ready to walk. Yeah, I don't. I, I that's think what you don't. Threatening. They're at least putting up the front that they're ready to walk. They are putting up the front that they're ready to walk. There's no. We don't know that, that they're ready to walk, but they're but, appearing that way. That's true. But okay. Let's not like the World Cup of Hockey did no did them no favors for this. Okay, it, it, the World Cup of Hockey was a resounding success, ratings wise, and all this stuff. That's what hurts these negotiations from right. the Olympic side because they already made their money on the World Cup. No, it's not about no. This is the reason they play these extra games. I mean, the, the money that was made was you know split up amongst the players. The players and make pretty good coin. They do in the World Cup of Hockey. It was yes. not that much. It, it was like you know what? To a young player, it's still a lot. Yeah, but most yeah, of those players on that. Bucks. That's yeah, but most of the players on that team are making that a shift. No, you know, no, no, but everybody gets it. Right here, I'll take it. But, but I think the this being this being so close to to the point at which they have to decide, which is probably like within the next couple weeks, right? Within that period of time, this this negotiation, him just coming to the NHL for the first time now, okay, tells me that one of two things is true. Like either. The NHL knows they're going and is just trying to get the money out of them, or the NHL knows they're not going. So it's not. So to me, it's one of those two things, right? And it's not 
So what I think the Olympic Committee is doing is there, and, and the, the IOC is sitting there saying, we think that they really want this. They, and the IOC thinks that the Olympics is the greatest thing in the world. So the IOC is, is by offering nothing and going there, and we're going to go with something. They're going to they're gonna show up with something. But so far, they've offered nothing, and they've given them no indication that they're going to bring anything. They'll offer is, money, but they're offering less than last time because, let's face it, the Olympics aren't what they used to be. That's the Right, and, the, and that's going to be their argument. And they're going to say, you guys get a lot out of this marketing-wise. And may, you may have to throw some of those other things you're talking in, Mike, which like all those, you know, whether it's, you know, merchandising or whatever. I think, I think I will say this, and then I think we'll go to, we should go to a different subject. I don't think there is anything that gets gained except for – like the last Olympics, TJ Oshi gained something, and maybe one other player gained a contract. I don't think the Fairweather fans that watch the Olympic hockey even watch NHL hockey. They like Olympic hockey for a reason. That's their basic, that's their scope is they will watch that. They're tuned in for that. The minute it ends, they never carry over to the NHL. The NHL never gets any kind of carryover ratings-wise or otherwise. They really don't. It's cotton candy, is what it is. Yeah. It's great. It's great when you're eating it, but then yeah. you, you know you get a stomach ache probably a couple hours later. I mean, I, I honestly, I just I've never gotten a stomach ache from cotton candy, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, you know, but I, I just, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, in in the moment, it's exciting, but in, I, honestly, I, I don't think that it's really going to be beneficial for the league to go. I've always been against it. I, I, I remember back, Russ, do you remember back 92 with Team Canada, the team that won a silver a silver medal? Lindros played on that team when he was, was still in the midst of the whole Quebec thing. Joe, yeah. Ju, Joey Juno when he was in a contract holdout. I think Dave Hannon was on that yeah, team. Dave Hannon, yeah. I mean, okay, you can put together a team that's going to be oh, yeah. without the NHL. So go down that road. Do not interrupt the season for a meaningless tournament. And look, nobody watches more Olympic hockey than me. If it's on, I watch every second of it. So I'm not going to lie there. But it just seems like they could walk away from this one and not really get hurt here because the time zone factor is going to be huge. I don't think – I mean, I think it is to us and to a lot of people, but there are places where it's not. Um, and there are there are people who really just will watch it at night, and they don't care. Like what, every anybody who's on Twitter and social media and all that stuff, it's it the time zone things are huge issue, right? So well, you sit there and you say, okay, it's hard, impossible to find to not know what's happening in these games. With oh your no, no, you're gonna know. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, but but there are a lot of people who aren't, you know. And I think that there is still something to the Olympics that it's always like when I and you, you know, I I can tell you as. As a person who's covered this sport, like when I tell people what I do for a living and I talk to people, I meet people and I say, they say, what do you do? And I say, well, I cover, I cover the NHL, um, you know, hockeybuzz.com is my website. I've covered the Olympics um, in the past. That is the moment when everybody like, whoa, you cover the Olympics. Like covering the NHL doesn't but mean that's only people. to the casual fan. But, there's a, but, that, but those are the people you're those. That's why you go to the Olympics is my point. Like my point is you go to the Olympics for those casual fans. Like you don't go for you do the World Cup of Hockey for fan service for what we currently have. Right. But you go to the you go to the Olympics for the casual fan. And that's what they that's what you want. And that's why, you know, the casual fan. Yes. Who sees like these players, especially with all the stars we have now? Like, don't you want Austin Matthews out in front of everybody? Don't you want all these? I mean, but there's not going to be a carryover effect. It's going to be a two-week window, and after the two weeks, they go back to their regular lives. That's the thing. I mean, this this is the thing. There was a carryover, a minor carryover, in two of the Olympics, 2002 in Salt Lake, 
2010 in Vancouver. Why? They're in North America. There was not much of a carryover other than in the Czech Republic where the, the team flew flew to Prague to be Of course, so you can't like – like, I mean, the World Cup of Hockey would have been better if it was North America versus Canada at the end too. Well, you no, know, no, no, certain no, not, things. not that. It was because the game was being – the games were being played in Nagano and nobody was watching. I was watching that game between the Czechs and the Canadians at 2 o'clock in the morning. Nobody was watching. Yeah, but a lot of people watched that the next day, the next night. I mean, that was also before – I mean, that was before Twitter and everything too. I mean, th things are different, obviously. I, I don't – I just think you guys are underestimating the power that the Olympics have. Like I think that – and I still think that they have a power that the NHL wants, and they have something that the NHL sees. And I know the – if the otherwise, the NHL just would have bowed out of them by now. Okay. Like, here's my argument. So, you know, in 2010, we had the most – you know, at that time – the most watched Olympic final <clears throat> in 30 years, right? Right. Why didn't that carry over into that into that season's television ratings right after that? It didn't. Well, you could argue it did. I mean, the NHL had incredible television. Had the oh, NHL television like, ratings have gone up like every that. year until this one, right? This year and this year ratings are down. I think, but before nothing this, like that. the last several years they've gone up every year. I mean, you, you, and it's not a matter. You can sit there and say, okay, you know, maybe that's, you know. The ratings are what they are because of this or that. And, you know, we talked about that before. But I, I think that ratings have gone up. And whether it's as a result of the Winter Classic being being a big thing or whether it's a result of the Olympics or whatever it is, I mean, there's so many different reasons the ratings could go up or down. I mean, this Olympics, you could set up a potentially really incredible matchup between the USA and Canada by adding those North American players back into the fray, right? And then you you really are – I think I think it would be excitement for that. We'll see. I know Russ will be watching ice dancing. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I really think that it's it, there's a. I mean, I know. I, I just think at the NH. My feeling, my instincts are. They could be totally wrong, but my instincts are talking to people. If the NHL was going to not go, they would have said they're not going by now. All right. They the fact that they're still talking and still trying to get money means that they want to go. That NBC wants them to well, go. Players are putting them up to it too. Like the they're players like, hey, want them to, want to. Players want them to go. Right. Right. So I think that they're going to try to make this work, and I, I, I don't. I think we'll they will, I think they will go if they get every or most of the concessions, but I don't think the IOC will give them every or most of the concessions. So I think in the end they're not going. Let's All right, we'll find out. We'll find out soon. Um, let's move on to other other news. Um, we have some news in um, in Phoenix, right today in Arizona. Mike, what's going on there? Yeah, there was an announcement uh, that a new arena, fourteen. You know, there there's not all the facts out, but a fourteen thousand seat arena will be built. Uh, it sounds like from the description of the the area, it's going to be closer to the where they think the fan base for the Coyotes is, which is Scottsdale, which is not east of phoenix but west of phoenix they're saying it's like in the, i guess the in the, the the valley of the sun um but they're, they're 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 saying that you know this is obviously they're moving out of glendale which i think has been a disaster but it sounds encouraging i mean it, you know there's you know the coyotes have come out with this the the league has sort of uh, you know, gone along with this and if it's if 14,000 seat arena is not usually the uh you know, the capacity of an NHL arena, but I think, um, you know, if they put it in the right place, I think this can work in Arizona. I think the league is going to the nth degree to make things successful there. They do not yeah. want to move. Yeah. This is it. 
Like I, I even asked it on Facebook today. I said, is this the one? Because they've been here, they've been there, they've been yeah. everywhere. Is this the final arena where this is going to make it happen? And people are saying yes. So this is what we'll find out. Like I'll keep an open mind to it. But I got to tell you, this is the last roundup for the Coyotes. If this doesn't work out, the Coyotes aren't going to work out. Now, I, I don't know yeah. they, they didn't make make it part of the announcement whether because we'd heard talk of, uh, you know, an arena being built in concert alongside you know, or with like Arizona State University, um, whether that's part of this mix or it's a completely separate entity and it's just it's their building. If it's their building, then, you know, all the revenue comes to them, all the revenue for concerts and things of that nature. Right. But they're also competing in a market like Phoenix with the Glendale Arena still, yeah, and with and with the the arena that now I don't know whether the Phoenix Suns are part of this or it's just the Coyotes. I haven't read that they are, so I don't and know. This could be a separate, completely separate building, and in a market like Phoenix. Now Phoenix is a I think top ten population in the U.S. It is. It's in the seventh or eighth area. Yeah, so I mean, they can accommodate two or three buildings. That's but assuming they, that you know they put the games on at five o'clock and they had the early bird special. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I just I, I think I think this is a good. Thing. I know that there are people north of the border that are pissed off that they, you know, that a lot of people want that team moved, want them yeah, yeah. the second team in Toronto. It's not, it's not going to happen. No, no, it's a good, it's a good team. It's a good, it's a good situation. It's a I mean, good team. They have a lot of good players. We'll see if this works. I mean, look, I'll play revisionist history. I, I'm more positive for this than I was the Barclays Center. I pointed out what I thought the flaws were in the Barclays Center. And we had people who would come on the show and say, I'm wrong and I'm crazy and whatever. And now we see that there really are big flaws in the Barclays Center. And oh, yeah. Really and big flaws. No, for sure. For sure. Um, so this one at least is not going to have those kinds of flaws. But can I throw out something? 14,000 seats is not a not a. Well, that's because they can't fill 20,000 seats there. Yeah, but you don't. Not. You don't. You, you can't. You can't make a. You can't make a living with the NHL with a fourteen thousand seat arena. They're I mean, gonna have to try. I mean, that's. The, that's you know, the thing. I mean, it's gonna obviously have a ton of you know, boxes in it and all that stuff. That they're gonna sell. Maybe they just think to that, create demand when you make it smaller, and we'll see if they can create a demand. Well, I mean, I, I can just I can just give you this as an example. Maybe this is meaningless, but whatever. I went to a Arizona Toronto game three years ago. One ticket, bought it through the through the team through Ticketmaster. Three years, they've been emailing me to buy season tickets. They yeah. got me. They got me on the list, and they continue to contact me. I have that with a bunch buying, of teams too. After buying one game, I mean that shows the sort of the desperation of that organization to right. people in. Well, it's just marketing. I mean, they're a good marketing team. Yeah, it's marketing. I mean, I mean, they're also they also send press releases more than any other team in the world too. I mean, they really. They really want to get their names out there. They really, they yeah. Do. There's no doubt. I mean, look, they'll get this arena and they'll get another three or four years of grace, hoping that they pull in the attendance. But if three years down the line they're not selling out, this discussion will come up again, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's true. True. And it's not because of us. It's just economics. It's just the way it the way it is. Right. Right. All right. So. I mean, I I think fourteen thousand is. I, I really think that they should be building at least a sixteen, seventeen thousand seat arena. That's the only thing. That's the only thing I worry about. This population base is big. And okay, if you're gonna, I guess you. It's always hard to price things out. But I guess if you say, okay, the hockey fans are there. There's, 
there's less of them, but they're willing to pay more than maybe that's what they're thinking of. But it's kind of a strange way of doing it because the idea is growing the sport and you can't grow a sport in a 14,000 seat arena. I mean, that's like, to me, that's have more people too for 2000 less people. Well, uh, you know, I can have like two less people, three less people on the payroll that day too. Well, the, that's true. the press release from the coyotes indicates that the, that the building will be 16,000 plus. Okay. Well, that's okay. okay. Well, then there you go. That's solid. Well, that's okay. That, that, then I feel better about it. That's fine. Yeah. So, then I retract everything I said. 16 is a good number. And, it, and, and it's a facility that they're building and they're, they're building an additional 4,000 seat multi-sport arena in concert with Sun Devils Athletics. So it is in concert with Arizona State. So that that makes a that makes a bunch of sense. That's got right. a, it's got a lot better chance. I, like I said, I I think it's got a much better chance. All right. Before we move on to the Rangers, um, I want to I want to discuss the game that took place last night between the Canadians and the Blackhawks. Um. And I don't know if you guys saw this game. I mean, I was looking forward to it. I just saw a few highlights. That's I saw it. the ridiculous Patrick Kane goal that he scored. I mean, yeah, that was an incredible goal. Um, <laughs> and Taze made a great play on it too. Um, but <laughs> the um, these are t- the two best teams in the NHL ready, ready to meet. I, you know, I've got my popcorn. I'm ready to go. I'm going to sit and watch this game. And Why do I know where this is going? And who do we put in goal? Al Montoya. Al Montoya. I mean – He's got to play sometime, Act. Yeah, he's got to play sometime. But if you're, this is like, if this is a, if you're the best team in the NHL and you're facing the second best team in the NHL, and you're afraid of losing, yeah, sure, put Alan Montoya in and go ahead and lose, which is what they did. Matter. It's a regular season game. It they're just matter. going with the rotation, Act. I don't think they're that, not going with the rotation. Montoya's played like three times. Well, that's the thing. They looked at it and said they may have mapped this out two months ago, for all we know, and said. It was the second of back-to-back games. Montreal played at home against Detroit. They're going to put Carey Price in at home, and they don't. No, play- that's that's that's. I just I don't know. I disagree. But put put Montoya in at home against Detroit. That's that makes all the sense in the world. No. Put your best foot forward and try to prove they that you are put the best. Carey Price at home. I get that. They want Carey Price at home. They want Carey Price against a divisional opponent when when yeah. top three teams in a division make the playoffs. And the you know the game is again great. It's against the uh, the best team in the, or the top rated team in the league or one of the top rated teams in the league. It's a road yeah. game, right? Now, this game, uh, this game I don't know. counts like sixty percent less than any like than the other game. That's really the reality in the standings. I was I, I was dumbfounded on Saturday night after the Leafs beat Philadelphia in Toronto that the that Mike Babcock instead of playing. Jonas Enroth, which he had done in both back-to-back situations this year, went back to Anderson in the second of back-to-back games. Well, uh, I think he saw Anderson had a great game against the Flyers. And, 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 but the thing was, the team was exhausted, and by the third period, they fell completely off. So yeah, but you want to you want to try to get him on any kind of role you can. In my mind, I think I think that's why he did it. I mean, you're trying to get him on a role. But let's before we go there, uh, let's just. This comes back, and I'm not going to make this a Michelle Terrian ripping fest, which I could no, 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 easily this, do. I don't think this has anything to do with Terrian this time. I don't. Um, it does, but I'm not going to go there. <laughs> um, it doesn't. It does because it's once again, it just shows this this guy for his co- true colors, but I'm not going to go there. Oh, so, now that Carey Price is healthy, you don't think they have this mapped out as to when they're going to put Al Montoya in? Whenever we're afraid to lose, we're going to put Mal Montoya in. That we're no, going to have to. stop it. Is that what, that's what it says to me. I mean, when you when you're when a guy is playing so few games, you had a tinfoil helmet on when you were watching this game. Clearly, no, no. no. When you're, I mean, and Montoya played well. <laughs> All right, and but the thing is, this is like his. Isn't this? Wasn't this? Am I wrong with that? This is his first game back after being shelled by Columbus. Yes. Yes. Put him into in the in the United Center against the Blackhawks. 
He's the backup goalie. He goes like some time. Oh, come on. You know better than that, Russ. Like, think about it for a second. I mean, you got a guy who just gave, who gave up 10 goals. You gave him no confidence. You left him in forever, which we all agreed was wrong. And now you're putting – and then his next game he goes to play against, he's going to go into the United Center. He did well. I mean, granted, he did well. the next night. I know, but the next game – give him another game in there where he can, where you, he can have success. The, the, he's now lost the last two games. So it's like – The psyche and the, sens- the sensitivities of Al Montoya are secondary – to the end game of the Montreal right. Canadiens, which is to win and to keep Carey Price healthy. That's right. all Michelle Terrian cares about. Honestly, if they if they had to z- cycle in Zach Fucali, that is all Terry. You're right. That you you just nailed it. That is all. That is all Michelle Terrian cares about. Honestly, keeping Carey Price healthy because if he doesn't keep Carey Price healthy, he's out of job. Right. So no, he's going to keep like Carey Price. He's going to keep Carey Price healthy all the time, and that's what he's got to do. Terrian's right. job is safe now for this season again. It oh, is. I know. I know. So I don't think it's about the job now. I think this is just the prime directive of the organization. No, he's always, he's always, he's always worried about losing his job. But, but, but he's do, so. What I mean, no, and it, you know, there are some players, there are some coaches and general managers that just do like Burke. Brian Burke never cares about losing his job. He does, he does his thing the way he does it. And then there are some people who are like Dean Lombardi who care about losing. Even though Lombardi's won all these championships, he's still sort of there are survivalists out there. Okay, mm-hmm. people that are that are, that really just they survive above everything else. And then there's some who have principles that stick on it, and will just they realize that well, I'm doing the wrong. I might be doing something that really kills me. Like you often see with coaches who bring who won't bring up guys. You know. This happened to Maloney in in Phoenix. Got got just he did a great job of building that team. He didn't make any desperate moves. He could have brought up guys earlier and tried for quicker success, but he didn't. And then he loses his job, right? Which I thought was wrong at the time. Hey, maybe they did rock paper scissors before the game, and Price was the paper. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's let's forget Terry on for a second, okay? Let's debate one other thing because we've had this debate because it's hard not it's hard for me with. I know, I know that I just, I just the guy rubs me the wrong way, and I tried my best. And I'm a Canadians fan, born. I, I've been a Canadians fan my whole life. All right. <sighs> anyway, so let's just start with here. So let's say the the concept of back of when to play a backup goalie. I I get always pissed off when you play a backup goalie against a good team because you're going to lose that game anyway. Okay, but here's the thing. That. So last night. The New York Rangers played the Edmonton Oilers, who right now record-wise is a very good team. Who was in Right. Tell me who was in that. For the Rangers? Yeah. Ronto, wasn't he? Anti-Ronto, yeah. the backup. Right. right. And the, I mean, this is the argument. Same theory. It's the exact same. I know. And I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying take Terry out. I am of the mindset that you play your best against the best. No. And you play your backups no, no. against sucky teams. That's not the way the NHL know. works anymore. I know. And I can't, that's what I'm talking about. Right, they can't stand are, it. I mean, it, it, that's changed. That's fair. You, you have a right to not like it, but I'm saying more. But it's changed in our right lifetime, now. and to me, it's to me, it's the whole concept of playing not to lose versus playing to win. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate no, it. I, I think I, I honestly, I think like in this instance, one, I think the factor of of the home game was a factor. Two, the division game was a factor. I also think the coaches think let's get the game that we know that we can win and bank it and roll the dice. On the game against. Oh, you're right, Mike. That's yeah. exactly what they think, and that 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 I just I, that that has changed in our lifetime. That's all I'm saying. That that concept would was not that way always. It used to be that you played your backup against lesser teams, and you and you tried to win against better teams, and that and that has changed. There's no question about it. I I'm just against the change. Like maybe I'm old school or whatever, but I'm, I just I'm against the change. To me, if I'm a fan, like if I'm a fan of the Canadians, 
which I am. Okay, but say I have tickets and I don't because I live in Philadelphia. But say I had tickets to go see that game on. I'd rather see Montoya against Detroit and see the next night Carey Price go out and try to beat the Blackhawks to prove where my team is. If my team is really the best team in the world, I want to see them do that. I don't care that I'm seeing Montoya at home. I want to see, and I and Canadian fans are smart fans. From the, from the fans' point of view, I understand it, but from the team point of view, I understand what what the Habs do and what other teams do. They other always, teams do it. I know. They, they also the, the the other teams sometimes will say, okay, well, the team psychologically knows that they're going to have to play a lot better to beat a, an opponent like Chicago with the backup goaltender in. So it's a way of drawing out a better performance. And sometimes, all right, I, I that's a decent rationalization. I get it, but. I, I, but it's, it's still, it's not trying to win. Like to me, it's like, if I'm a player on that team, I want to go up against Chicago and prove that we're the best in the NHL. And I want to carry one carry price and goal. And we're, we're going to prove we're the best in the NHL and not that, and not like, again, Matoya played very well and to his credit, I mean, to play, to play that well after, after that Columbus game. Now, th- now I, I throw the caveat out there that some goalies just have some teams numbers. And maybe I don't, maybe I don't know, man, maybe Montoya has an incredible record against the Blackhawks that I don't know about, Yeah, but you know, and then in that instance, that's the only time I'm fine with it. Like I get that. I don't maybe with 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 is Ranta against Edmonton. I don't know if there's anything going on there, but I'm just they never play each other. But Montoya's probably he's been on teams that have played the Blackhawks in the past. We don't know what his record is. I'm sure we could find it, but I just think that that I'm okay with. If that's the case, then I take then I withdraw this. But if it's the case of like playing not to lose versus versus playing to win, I will go with playing to win all the time. Like that is that that's that's I don't know, and I think that's what you teach kids when you when you when you keep when you know that's what games are, right? So sports are, right? And I guess I'm crazy for thinking that, but you know, obviously you guys aren't responding, so I must be. Not. I said, "Yup." I said, "Shook my head." I said, "Yup." You're you're wound up on this subject, but I'm telling you, the rest of the league doesn't work this way. Let's talk about the Rangers. Go ahead. <laughs> here's so here's the thing about the Rangers. So what I'm no- noticing now is. We shouldn't be, like, shocked that the Rangers are doing well. We could be shocked at the record, right? The record's yeah. fantastic. But in the offseason, I found very few people that didn't like the moves they make. Yes, some fans were upset that Derek Broussard moved because he's a popular guy. Yeah. But most of the people out in the universe were like, you know what? These were good moves. Jimmy VC was a good pickup. And so yep. for people not to think the Rangers were going to be uh, at least a playoff team this year were crazy – but what I've been hearing a little bit in the media is, well, we expected the Rangers to take a big step back this year. The cupboard is, is pretty bare, and the cupboard's not bare. That's the thing about the Rangers is, now Jimmy Vesey helps, right, because he wasn't a drafted player, and so does Kevin Hayes. That helps the cupboard a little right. bit. But Buchnevich got added this year. He's a drafted player. Brady Shea got added this year. He's a drafted player. You know, obviously Miller from a few years ago was a drafted player. If you go look. A lot of these guys are still drafted players, and they still have more down below. It's not like the Rangers' cupboard is bare. They've done a good job in drafting, even in mid-rounds. Gordy Clark's going to done a really good job there over the years. What's happened here is, is that now they run those four lines, and they will run them at any time, and other teams have to match up against them. So when you get a team like the Edmonton Oilers, who really are not four lines deep, they have a problem. And last night, Grabner exposed them. Like, that line just killed them. It, it, it's, inc- it's incredible. This guy scored nine goals in 80 games last year with the, with the Leafs. Yep. Could not hit the this broad. Is I, this is why I don't agree with what you're saying, Russ. I mean, Grabner and their leading scorer is JT well, Grab- Miller. Yeah, JT I mean, Miller, yeah. JT Miller is a good player. He's like you know, he's he's a he's a, you know a point every three games player, not a point a game well, player. Well, but he's young. See, he's starting to mature. 
<laughs> right. And I mean, I think where where we where we can be surprised is is in the development of guys like Miller and Grabner. Like I think that that is not something we saw well, coming. Grabner's just shocking. Like Grabner, like Mike said. And not Kevin Hayes too, because I mean, well, remember yeah, but, Kevin Hayes was a good player, but he was also, you know, Chicago wouldn't give him the time of day, right? So, but he lost twenty-one pounds. Well, there, okay, there, there has to be a little bit of luck here because, like I said, Grabner yeah. couldn't hit the broadside of a barn last year. He was basically a zero offensive type of player. Like, in, in in stratomatic terms, he's a one. Yeah, for sure. And this year, he's leading the league in scoring. It's you know, he's back to his rookie rookie year ways, and you know, great, but. Um, you know, somebody somebody was bemoaning the fact that he scored ten goals uh, with the Rangers and didn't do this with the Leafs. I was like, if he scored ten goals with the Leafs, they wouldn't have the, they wouldn't have finished thirtieth overall. So I'm not upset about. Right, right. Yeah. Here's the thing. But, the, but well, let me finish. The one thing that you have to be that you have to be cognizant of when it comes to the Rangers, they've added two guys who are first round caliber talents in Kevin Hayes and now VC for nothing for for entry level contracts and right. that. I, you know, that is an, an unbelievable benefit for a team that, yes, I mean, they're, they're minor leagues, they have some good prospects, but there weren't any, like, ridiculous, like, over-the-top, you know, grade-A prospects that were coming along the line. There were a couple, but... Well, I mean, look, Duclair was one, they traded him. Right. Which Nevich was the other, and he's got score goals in the last four games, so he is getting that way now. Oh, yeah. But if I had sat there before the season when we were doing our previews and said, and I love my love one, you know, it is one of my least favorite things to do. But if I had said to you that Kreider would have 11 points at this point, Stepan would have 11 points and only two goals, Zuccarello would have 10 points in 16 games, you'd be like, the Rangers are in trouble. Uh, but, the, but, but the fact is, those players are like the seventh, eighth, and ninth right. leading scorers on this team right now. Right. But here's, they're usually the top scorers. Right, here's the thing it's about matchups. When you put Hayes and Miller together, now Hayes has lost 21 pounds. Miller is maturing as a player. He started to mature again last year in the playoffs. I found his 21 pounds, by the way. Just yeah. And, and the thing is, what people forget about JT Miller is it's really easy to say, yeah, he should just be a guy who scores one, one, some, a point in every three games, but he's yeah. also a very physical and greasy player, and he's fast. And the combination of those two guys with that size and speed have opened things up for Grabner. Grabner didn't have anybody to play like with that last yeah, year. Yeah. And and Grabner has the speed. That's the one thing we all knew he had coming into this. And so they found the right line combination because of the other youth and speed that is with him. That's really right. been the magic there. And that's something where it's not that hard to figure out why it's happening. I get to, you know, we could all question why Michael Grabner has 10 goals and I'd be first in line. But I see why it's happening. I do. And Buchnevich now on the fourth line is a disaster for other teams to match up against. Right. Right. No, period, right. I, mean, no, they, I mean, they have so much offense. Yeah. It's crazy. And and that is, but that was not, I mean, Rick Nash again, who thought, I mean, he's playing well again. I mean, he's, that's another thing. These are all. Woken up Rick Nash. I didn't know if that was going to happen. I would have been the first to say, yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen, but it has. I mean, they've got players scoring all over the place, right? And then also, when we sit there and talk about Ranta, you know, but the guy's 4-0 with a 2.05 goals against Aberdeen. But he's still the backup and they will play him against anybody. But they, but you, you know, he's got a nine thirty eight save percentage. He's he's been playing very very well. He played great last year too. He did. It no, yeah, and Mont- he's, he's not gonna get his, right now. He's gonna get his twenty to twenty five games at the most. Yeah. He's, there, he's there to spell Lundqvist because Lundqvist is the man. 
And Lundqvist is the guy you have to keep fresh for the playoffs. That's the same thing that's going on with uh, with Price in Montreal and with any other number one goaltender. You know, that's your, uh, yeah, when your backup plays that well, you're going to be good because at the end of the day, I mean, those it it, yes. it, is, it does tend to be the backup goalies that make that put teams over the top because well, yeah, I mean, back in the day, Glenn Healy was that guy for the Rangers. Yeah. Um, but but here's the thing: Ranta's got the attitude. Like I remember talking to him for a very long time at the winter classic, like four or five years ago, wherever mm -hmm. that was. And, and they were playing, I can't remember what city and maybe it's the Washington. Did they play in Washington? I yep. think, uh, yeah. I think it was there. One of the Blackhawks, right? Cause it was yes. Yeah. yeah. And I, and, and I had a long discussion with him because he really didn't know if he was playing that game or not, but he, this is a guy that will always make sure he's ready. And he even just reiterated it the other day where he said, you know what? You always, as a backup, you have to prove yourself in every start. Like, you can't have a bad start as a backup. That's and he's a really point. competitive guy, you know. Yeah, and I mean, that's he's, why he's successful. My memory of him was, you know, how pissed off he was to be in the Stanley Cup Finals as a third-string goalie with the Chicago Blackhawks yes. when when the World Championships were going on in his hometown, and he wanted to be back there playing. But he's like, I got to see. He actually didn't want to be in the Stanley Cup Finals anymore. Like he was, yeah. that he just wanted to compete, and he right. knew he was the third third goalie on on the Blackhawks team that that was keeping him out of the World Championships. Right, and so he you know, is ultra competitive. It does yeah. help, and so that's been really good too. So right now it's a, it's an early part in the season, but the Rangers do look that good. The Oilers, though, this is where if people want to say they've taken a monumental jump, you have to take a longer look at the Oilers and say, okay, the Rangers pretty much owned them last night. It may have been three yeah. to one in score, but they owned them. Yeah, they did. And you know, uh, you're all, I think I do also think we are seeing. We always have this discussion about this time of year that we are seeing the Eastern Conference starting to take over the Western Conference. No, in I a lot agree of with that too. I do. You know, which is something that every year we we say it in the beginning of the year, the Eastern Conference usually does really well, and the Western Conference gets stronger as the year goes on. For whatever reason, it always happens. But this year, I mean, it was a three to one game last night. It wasn't, you know, crazy. No, but Edmonton just, even though they were out shooting the Rangers for a lot of it, they just never made me think they were coming back to tie that game. Even. Yeah. No, I mean it was. You know, the Rangers are a top, top team. I mean, the Rangers, Montreal. There's we have we have a few teams that are dominating right now. So, you know, we get this, and that that's what's definitely the case right now. I mean, they're putting themselves in a spot when you get off to this kind of a start, and you've got Lundqvist as your goalie. You know, they're a playoff team. I mean, it's not yeah. you're not even talking about it's going to be hard. You know, for them to unless you know they lose Lundqvist, or and even then they've got they've got a great backup. So, I mean, Montreal got off the big start last year, and right. we were saying the same thing. But here's the other problem, and this is the other problem for mm -hmm. the Edmonton Oilers, and it's going to continue to be a problem. On one of Grabner's goals, he got down the ice, takes a shot. I guess it was on Talbot, right? Because I was I was late. I was, like, falling asleep during that game at times. I think Talbot was in last night. And he makes the first save, and there's Grabner to pick up his own rebound, and then the, the defenseman for the Oilers gets into the picture. Like, yeah. you have keep up with this Ranger team. You can't be that far behind. You can't be pinching. If you know that you don't have the speed as a team, then you can't pinch your defenseman against the Rangers because that's what's going to happen. Right. Four, right. four of the five worst records right now are in the Western Conference. So early yeah. on in the East, it seems they have the advantage. But, you know, I mean. No, it's really true. I mean, right now, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's four bottom teams in the West are really struggling. I mean, and that they. they, they, they just, game under 500 too now. 
Calgary, Calgary is is a, right now a disaster zone. I mean, yeah, what people aren't realizing is Columbus has only played thirteen games. You know, and they're they've got sixteen points. They are they're in they're 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 only a, a one point of a wild card, but they have got like two and three games in hand above teams ahead of them. So Columbus is playing that well right now. So there's I mean they're seven four and two. Yeah, the jokes I, I, about John, the jokes about John Tortorella seem to be waning a little bit because that team is actually playing pretty well. Yeah, I got to tell you, watching that. That Calgary, I watched more of the Calgary game than of the Edmonton one last night, and the Rangers just made the Calgary Flames look like boys. Like it just, it was the Flames no are so much. Trouble. I mean, they're minus twenty goal differential. I mean, it was an embarrassing game for Calgary. It was embarrassing. Well, I mean, okay, I'm not going to. I mean, sixteen games in to be a minus twenty goals differential. I'm not going to lay the blame completely at the feet of Brian Elliott because that would be unfair. Oh. That right? Because that team defensively is not not playing well, but they went out and got Brian Elliott thinking he would be the answer, and he clearly is not. And I could have told you that he wouldn't be. I mean, they have a lot of youth on defense, but they are you know they should be expecting more good defensive play out of guys like Giordano and Brody. Dougie Hamilton, I mean, his name, as you wrote about yesterday, his name is all of a sudden starting to pop yeah. up trade rumors. And that's bizarre because they, you know, they, they, what they traded for him, signing him to that long-term extension, he's making $5.75 million. It Right now it doesn't look like a good fit because that team, since they brought him in, and it's not him alone, but they just, they, they lost that mojo that they had two seasons ago. And now it's just, I mean, now they're looking for answers. They're scrambling. Well, Dougie Hamilton is like a great player if you've got the other places and other pieces in place, you know, but if you don't yeah. have other pieces in place, Dougie Hamilton is a disaster. And that's what, and we've seen that in other, with the many signings over the years, right? It's uh -huh. a, it's unfortunate because, you know, you Calgary can't sit there and hope and wish they had their pillars already set up. And they've got, they're basically bought a nice tent without pillars, you know, like they have Hamilton's is perfect for them, but, or perfect for some team out there, and, and that's why the rumors will pop up. I mean, Montreal but really. Here's the weird is thing, very... too. You're, you're right about that, X. Sorry. Here's the weird thing. So, didn't I hear Gullitson say going into the Ranger game that he felt like their team was at least playing strong five on five? Yeah. Yeah, I went back, and every goal the Rangers scored was five on five. No, I mean they're not playing well five on five at they're all. Not I mean... playing well five on five. Like this is just they're what are they like five and ten? Like five, I don't ten and one. Yeah, five yeah, ten and one. It's just it's an awful. This is bad because you got the goalie and you figured, okay, now we should be better than last year. And 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 now, really, in reality, they are no better than last year. I mean, the one fortunate thing about the goaltending situation is Elliot's a free agent after this year, so you right. didn't make a long-term commitment to him. But you've got that core group, Monaghan, Goudreau, the defense with Giordano, with Brody, now with Hamilton, all locked up on long-term right. deals. And right now, and not to say that it can't be reversed because there's a lot of talent there, it's not working. And you have to, and, and you know, you cannot fire Gullitson after 16 games. So you know, either you just continue to go down this road and enter the Nolan Patrick sweepstakes, or you look for answers. But it's, you know, the first 20% of the schedule is already done. And that team is second worst to the Arizona Coyotes. And people expected that out of the Coyotes because they're a young team. Nobody expected this out of the Calgary Flames. Yeah. yeah. This, this is bad. This is. I mean, it, there are two teams in the NHL that have given up 59 goals, which is the most goals given up by any team in the NHL. And this was going to be my number today. So we're getting right to it anyway. Okay. Um, but um, can you name the other team without looking at the standings who's given up 59 goals besides the Calgary Flames? 59 goals. Um, nope, Toronto's giving up 55. 
Vancouver Canucks. Vancouver has given up 48. Yeah, so Miller's doing better than I thought he was. Yeah, he's not, he's not the problem. Buffalo has given up <laughs> 37. What? Wow. No. They have. They've scored 29 goals and given up 37. Wow. Wow. That's the thing that people don't understand. Buffalo scored way less goals than anybody else. Yeah. Their goals against is not bad. 37 no, it's goals. Not bad at all. Games. I mean, 15 games, 37 goals. It's just over two a game. Yeah. But they've only scored 29 goals. Yeah, that's crazy. And Which I is saw, like 11 know, less than the Islanders, who can't score anything. I mean, is Evander Kane back? Like, I, other than a, a double minor, what is he adding to the team? That's the sad. Yeah, and I mean that—that's the thing about that team. I mean, th- thirty-seven goals is—is is, you know, I mean, is—is is, I mean, giving up thirty-seven goals is no is nothing's needed. I mean, that tells you that Buffalo might be further ahead than we think if they can get their scoring going. Yeah, the problem is everybody's out, and they. Lost. But when people get back, so you still don't have it. So who is it? Is it the Islanders? It's not the Islanders. The Islanders have given up 47 goals. Go ahead, tell me. I'm dumbfounded. This 59 goals have been given up by the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, they were my next. They were my next thought because they keep winning and losing games so closely. Okay. And to, make, and to make matters worse, Michael Neuwirth is out four to six weeks. Yes. Injury, so. So the Flyers have scored 55 goals. Yeah. And given up 59 goals. So you know the top scoring teams in the league. Uh, the Canadians have scored 53. Flyers have 55. The Blackhawks have scored 54. Um, so, I mean, the Flyers have scored more than any other team in the NHL. So I have a question for you guys. That's, and given up more than any other team. Yeah, Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Number they, one in offense, number 30th in defense. I wrote an article about them being resilient. They are, and they have to be resilient when you're giving up that many goals. Um, <laughs> That's insane. Here's the thing. So I just see a quote from Dan Bilesma that says, need more from Evander Kane. And so – that is now your coach is now putting it all the chips. He's just right. come back from injury. They don't score. He has put all the chips back. Yeah, you're right. And that and that's that's really. It's not the guy you want to be saying that about. That's really a crazy, crazy, crazy thing. I mean, when you look, there's the goal fours and goals against are just fascinating this year in, in general. I yeah. mean, Colorado scored 27 goals. That's like, but they've yeah. only played 14 games, so you give them a little bit of break there. But then you go through. But the Rangers won't stay at four again the whole year. They yeah, I mean, the Rangers and, – and, but as good as the Rangers have been, the Flyers have scored more than them. Isn't that crazy? I mean, that's that just like – I mean, the Rangers – no, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm totally uh, wrong. Sorry. The Rangers have scored more than them. 65. Okay. I apologize. They're, but the Rangers – so the Rangers are 10 goals ahead of anybody else. I knew they were. Yeah. Not, I, I, I Which appreciate is crazy. It. Yeah, I mean, they've scored 10 more goals than anybody else. That is nuts. Um. And the you know so puts the rain the Flyers at number two offense number thirty defense so that's that's, that's the Grabner effect. So yeah, the Grabner effect. So here's the thing: there's two schools of thought here. We mostly think Anthony Stolarz will come up, but Stolarz is the kind of guy that needs to play games. If he comes up like last time and never plays, is that a positive, or would you rather have Alex Lyon come up? Where if you're maybe never yeah. going to use him, then he just sits there and doesn't. That's what you want to do. Because, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I am. If I'm an expert at nothing else in the NHL, I'm an expert at the Philadelphia Flyers goaltending situation because it's something that I've studied in depth. And I've told you, I think we talked about on the show that this combination was not a good one of Neuvirth and Mason going well, back to back. You've said many a time, Act, that Steve Mason plays better when he's the guy. Yeah, he's the only guy. And this, so you're going to see the, you're going to see that, you're going to see that over the next several weeks. You're going to see Mason. The Flyers' goals against will come down. They'll probably win a lot of games. Um, he will come down without the pressure on him. And then Neuvirth does not play well when he's the guy. He plays well when he's the backup guy, and he's coming in off the bench. He's a great coming in off the bench goalie. 
True. And he can get, and he's a goalie who can get hotter than Mason at times. So you have Neuverth has the ability to do that. So that's why this is a weird combination, um, because Neuverth wants to play more, but the more you play him, the more likely he is to either get bad or get hurt. And then you know, like he did here, and then Mason also. The problem is you have to get you have to you have to get Stolarz or somebody sometime because right. You can't just play Mason every game. Or they might try to, but you really don't want to risk him getting hurt as well, right? Because then you're really right. up the creek. So or maybe you aren't. I mean, maybe Stolarz. Bring up is going to get at least one to two starts. Last time Stolarz got zero, right. and, I, and I and I still think he's going to be the guy coming up. Lions started the last game for the yeah. Bams, but it's just one of those things where are you helping Stolarz if he literally just gets two starts and sits the rest of the time? That's the big question. Well, I think I think you are if you're just bringing him up for like a three week stint. I think if if you're bringing him up for the rest of the time, then okay, no. But you know, okay. you don't want to play him like you don't want to play him only ten percent of the games if he's in there for the entire year. But if he's in there for three weeks to get around the NHL team, to get practices in, to get all that stuff, get a couple games. I think that's a good thing. I think they should well, bring up Stellaris. After, I think after watching Philadelphia's defense play against Toronto on Friday night, you could have Marty Berger or Terry Sawcheck in there, and it wouldn't make a difference. Because well, that, that was a bad problem. game for them. But the Flyers, but the Flyers really have not gotten good goaltending either. I mean, it's no, like they, and Mason played terribly on Friday. I agree, yeah. but but especially on a couple of those goals, it yeah. was especially the Cadre goal where Delzado was caught flat-footed. But Mason did steal the game third period on Saturday, like he did. Yeah, and no, so he you did. Have to okay. do that sometimes. Uh, he, and I think that that is also comes comes with Mason now knowing he's the guy and going and having that mentality every day that he's going in and when he's he knows he's going to play. And I think that you're going to see Mason. That's why I think that Neuberth is the is the perfect goalie to trade. But here's the thing: so Flyers fans were like, "Well, with Andy McDonald out, the defense will be fine." It's not. Oh boy! <laughs> Hold on, let's just stop that statement right now. I mean, that's just the well, crazy. Well, thing. We heard that, <laughs> but we did hear that, right? Oh yeah, no, but I mean, I don't know. I guess you can. I guess you can listen to that statement in a lot of different ways. Like how yeah. I heard you say it there yeah. is that we're it, it sucks that Andy McDonald's out, but we're going to be okay. That's the, but we know we're we're player you know or you're saying it like sarcastically and we don't lose anything by losing Andy McDonald. You gain five million dollars of cap space. That's what you gain. Yeah. So, but I think you're right. I think the Flyers are they're they're making they, the problem is this on defense. They had Delzato for a while playing really well. Yeah. Then he gets hurt. Yeah. This is the two years ago, right? Gossevier comes in and plays very well. Um, you can't have both of them. And what's happening now is you've got both of them in there. They're the same player. No, so they're different now. They're different. They are, but you have too many of these kind of players going at the same time. So, like, the issue is, like, they kind of detract from each other if they're in there at the same time. They both they both like to take lots of rushes. They both like to move up the ice. Um, Manning's done a great job. as He's been their best defenseman. He's done a great job, you know, in there. I, I feel he's been their best defenseman. Provrov is is going to take time to develop. That's yeah. he, he's he can be forgiven. He's a Donald skating today supposedly. So that will that will cause another problem because then do you dare just if it were me if if somebody says Russ here you figure out these defensive pairings Mark Streit would be the odd man out for me right now. That's pretty crazy because yeah I mean he was probably their best or considered their I mean and then I would put Gostasvier top power play I'd put I'd put Delzato second power play. That's what yeah. I would I mean, I've, surprisingly, Gudis has been really good. Um, again. Yeah, he's been good. He's reined it back in. I think Mark Streit has been the weak link. I do. Yeah, he is. He, he definitely is looking old. And that, this was something that, you know, was, was that's the way it was at the end of last year. So yeah. he came in, though, playing really well after playing well in the World Cup. He was doing – he looked strong again. Anyway, um, but, yeah, so I think the Flyers will be an interesting team to watch. They're only 
they're only one point out of a out of a out of a playoff spot right now. So and they have given up all these goals. You know, but it's been a long time since the Flyers have been positive. I mean, you have to go back a long way, positive in goal differential. Like last year, I don't yeah. think they ever reached I don't think they ever got back to zero, um, even though they made the playoffs. Yeah. So uh and this year they've never been above it. So yeah, they're still minus four right now. So there you have it. This, there's a really weird thing. I'm going to bring a blog on this tomorrow about how the NHL has turned into like two NHLs right now. You have like a wide open NHL and a really tight NHL. Mm-hmm. And you can see it with some of the teams. Like you can see like those Sabres with, I mean, that like we talked about 29 goals for 37 goals against, because but then have, go to, because they, because they, all their offensive players are hurt. They have, yeah, but then go to Anaheim or da- go to Dallas 44 and 55, the flyers 55 and 59. There's these, there's these teams that are playing wide open shootout styles. And there's teams that are playing really, really reined it in style. Like well, Minnesota is 41 and 28, you know, we should talk about that tomorrow because I mean, there's, we will. There's reasons for every one of them, probably. I would. Oh yeah, there should, definitely uh, are reasons. I, I think tomorrow we should start off with the Dallas Stars because now with their goaltending situation, they don't have a hot goalie. They don't even have a goalie that you would even trust. No, I know, I know, and yet they're still in a wild card spot. Um, okay, that's all we have time for today, guys. Remember, without the buzz, it is just hockey. Uh, there's only one game tonight, so enjoy it. <laughs> we'll talk to you later.